Let's turn to 2 Corinthians. No, no. Let's go to Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. Luke 10, 38 through 42. All right, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Uh, you know this story? It's the story of uh, Mary and Martha. And uh, Luke 10, 38. Now it came to pass, as they went, that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which, was, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, Don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Now, we look at this, and if you you tend to be a Martha, this is not your favorite scripture. (laughs) Maybe the one that you want to like remind yourself all the, of all the time, but it maybe not your favorite scripture. And so I was uh, meditating on the word a few months ago, and um, uh, this scripture came up, and I read this scripture, and I saw it in a different way that I'd never seen it before. And, um, you know, Jesus didn't say, Martha, Martha, you're too busy making preparation. That's not what he said. He didn't say, Martha, Martha, uh, you're too organized. He didn't say, Martha, Martha, you've, you've planned too much. He said, you're careful or worried or full of care and troubled about many things. But Mary has chosen that which is needful, which is what? To sit at the feet of Jesus and to listen to Jesus. And so... Uh, Jesus isn't even saying, and we interpret it this way, but Jesus is not really saying you can't be doing a lot of stuff and receive from me. He's saying you cannot be full of care and uh, troubled and receive from me and sit at my feet. So the point is that no matter what we're doing, we're sitting at the feet of Jesus and we're receiving from him and looking to him. And uh, if you learn to get quiet before the Lord, you know, be still and know that I am God. If you learn to uh, still yourself, still your mind, still your body uh, so that you're focused on the Lord, you can receive from him. Uh, you'll find there is that sweet, still, small voice that is ever present. In other words, in every situation, all the time. But when you get in, I like to say, if you're going to pray and get in the presence of God when you pray, which is real prayer, uh, that uh, you cannot pray under pressure, in a pressure situation. Now, if you're, if you're in a pressure situation, you should pray. But you can't pray. If, pray. if prayer is connecting and communing with the Lord, you cannot pray under pressure. Well, we're, we're in a, we're, we have a problem then. How are we going to pray? Your care upon uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Casting all of your care upon the Lord, for he cares for you. He cares about you, uh, for you affectionately and about you watchfully. 
So in other words, if you're going to enter into the presence of God, you cannot be troubled and careful about many things. So you have those, but those things come. All of us have those things come, but it's what we do when they come, what to do when trouble comes. So we take that trouble and we say, like it can be a very complicated situation, especially if it's relationship-based or relationships are involved. And so we just say, okay, Lord, I refuse to worry about this. In other words, you can have like a bunch of different things going on all at once. You got to get this done. You got to get this done. You have to do this. They need to answer on this right now. If you don't give an answer on this, you're going to lose $100,000. That's going to cost the company money or that's going to cost you money. The investment has to be now. You know, like the, like the tactic of the world when they want you to do something is pressure, 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 pressure. And so why? Because that's how they can control you. But God does not want the world to control you. He wants to give you direction and to be Lord of your life and you to freely submit to his lordship. And so in a pressure situation, you're not getting in the presence of God if you're coming uh, with the pressure. You have to, the closest you can come with the pressure is say, okay, Lord, here, take this. I can't take this. And then you can get in the presence of God. But you ever notice if you try to pray and you, you got all this, well, it's like prayer becomes secondary instead of primary. So that you're like, okay, I know I need to do this because I know the word enough and I've experienced enough that I, I know I need to pray. But you, you've allowed yourself to get so consumed with all of the pressures and all of the deadlines and all of the questions that, you, that you, the voice of the Lord seems distant, seems way far away, like way off in heaven, heaven, whoa, 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 whoa. sorry, Jeremy. But his voice is right here on the inside. Uh, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. He is going to lead you and guide you and enlighten you through your spirit. So you can't be looking out here for the answer. You have to look in here for the answer. And, um, but you cannot uh, uh, receive even from your own spirit if you're really stirred up mentally. Or stirred up physically, or you know, do you understand what I'm saying when I say be still? So I said, like, even this morning, I was talking about a little bit. You could say be still, and I could stand here, but my mind could be whirring, like that's not still. And um, sometimes people try to be still, and they just got you ever seen like they sit across their leg and their foot's like, I used to do that a lot. Well, that doesn't mean you're a bad person. That just means like you're not still. We're, we're, we're teaching our kids right now how to be still and know the Lord. You know what happened? So we were trying to do this like every day, 60 seconds, you know. Okay, just be still. Focus on the Lord. And uh, man, you do it. And all of a sudden they're like, ah, just 60 seconds, little kid, hearing from God. Just by being still. We didn't say Pray. Just said, be still, outwardly, inwardly, and look to the Lord, you know, from the inside. Boom, like that. And so um, if you're going to overcome relationship challenges, uh, you're going to have to have uh, two things. You're going to have to act in love, and you're going to have to follow the leading of the Lord.
And, um, and then you'll be able to uh, overcome those because Jesus has already overcome every relationship challenge that's possible. And so if you're going to overcome it, you're going to do it in who? In him, in Christ. All right. Uh, well, uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and I'll read that first part of, well, actually, I'm just going to read uh, from verse 1 on. If in the languages of men I speak in the languages of angels, but do not have love. The Greek word used here for God's love produced in the heart of the yielded saint by the Holy Spirit. A love that impels one to deny himself for the sake of the loved one. In other words, there is a yieldedness that you have to learn. It's a learned skill. Uh, but, uh, you know, you could yield at any moment. And what happens a lot of times, people first get born again or they'll have some experiences and they find themselves unconsciously yielding. And then all of a sudden we decide that we're smart and we forget how to yield because we know so much. That's why Paul said, I think he said like a real key, I, I, I'm saying a real key that Paul said is, um, I have determined among men to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So if you're gonna really connect with God, decide that you're gonna know nothing. Isn't that kind of weird? except Jesus and him crucified. So in any situation, like how do you pray for this person in this situation? Well, if you're going to try and make it a formula, which the flesh wants everything to be a formula, well, then you're going to say, well, I need to use this scripture and this scripture and this scripture and this scripture. That's all fine, except if the Holy Ghost is prompting you to use this scripture and this scripture and this scripture and this scripture, or unless the Holy Ghost is saying, uh, grab some dirt, spit it, sp put it in your hand, spit on it, and put it on their eye. If you're living by the flesh, you're not going to do it. So Jesus was not living by the flesh. Because he said, everything I do, everything I do, I first see my father do it. And do you know, one of the gospel writers even said, everything I say, I first see my father do. He said, everything, even everything I say, I see him do. Not I hear him say, but I see him do. And so uh, Jesus was completely sold out to his father uh, and to the kingdom. And so it's God's love produced in the heart of the yielded saint by the Holy Spirit, a love that impels one to deny himself for the sake of the loved one. Now I want to read uh, Romans 5.5 5, uh, here, here in the middle in Weymouth translation. And that is... Uh, excuse me, and that this hope never disappoints because God's love for us, listen to this, floods our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. So King James says, is how I learned it, you know, shed abroad. But I, I love this Weymouth translation much better. God's love for us floods our hearts. In other words, what happens when a flood comes? If you've ever had the unfortunate event of a, a, your basement being flooded or any part of your house being flooded or any part of like a, you know, we, we had a, in Michigan, we lived on a creek and um, uh, we had like 900 foot of frontage on this creek and then our house was up about maybe, I don't know, 20 feet, 25 feet higher than that, but so it was kind of like these bluffs that would go down and uh, our, we had a shed down there and we store our tractor there and that was like maybe four or five feet above the water. Well, we had um, some ministry stuff that we were doing uh, with funeral stuff and weren't able to be home. And so the, um, like this flood came, a hundred-year flood. When this hundred-year flood came, man, my riding lawnmower was like, <laughs> it was like, 
this was the water. The water was like this deep. You could see the mark on the side of the shed. And you know, like every part of that lawnmower was flooded. We had to take it, have it repaired, you know, had these, these, these guys look at it and they said, you know, they were able to repair it pretty good because we didn't start it in the middle. So like in the, uh, I don't know, Dave knows better than me, babe, but the cylinders and the engine, it didn't necessarily get in there, but they still had to redo like all this stuff um, because the flood reached every part of that tractor. And so still that riding lawnmower. So I still have that one. I don't use it. I should, my son wants me to fix it for him. But anyhow, if you look at it, it, it had like, before it didn't have rust. And there was like rust starting like everywhere. Well, the good thing about this is this is from God. And so it doesn't cause decay, but it actually causes increase. So the love of God floods into our hearts, into every part of our hearts, even the parts that we have never told anybody about that that love that is from God is flooded into our hearts and is available. In other words, the Holy Ghost is trying to say that this love is so abundant that don't feel like there's not some area of your life that's not going to get wet with the love of God. So love impels one to deny himself for the sake of the loved one. I have already become and at present am a sounding brass or a clinging cymbal. And if I have the gift of, oh, excuse me, if I don't have that kind of love, uh, and if I have the gift of uttering divine revelations and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all the faith so that I'm able to keep on removing mountain after mountain, but am not possessing love, I am nothing. And if I use all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I deliver my body as a martyr in order that I may glory, but do not have love, I am being profited in not even one thing. So really he's saying no matter what you do, no matter how much you do, if you're doing it without love, uh, you're not being profited at all. You know, one translation said it amounts to absolutely nothing. Love, okay, verse four. Love meekly and patiently bears ill treatment from others. Love is kind, gentle, benign, pervading and penetrating the whole nature mellowing all which would have been harsh and austere, is not envious, does not brag, nor does it show itself off, is not ostentatious, does not have an inflated ego, does not act unbecomingly, and does not seek after the things which are its own. It is not irritated, provoked, exasperated, aroused to anger, does not take into account the evil which it suffers." Now, I'm going to camp there for a minute. In fact, fact, we'll probably end end with this part. Um, Love does not take into account the evil which it suffers. So the way Brother Hagin used to say it is, he said, um, if you're feeling mistreated, you know the devil is working on you. So there's no love in the devil. He doesn't have love. Love comes from God. And, um, you know, uh, it's real easy to find out, am I walking in love? And that is, do you take account of the evil done to you? You know, account, it's like, you know, do you add up? Do you calculate it up? Like, well, you know, they didn't do, you know, they didn't do this for me, and, you know, it's my birthday, and uh, they didn't say happy birthday, and uh, I'm not struggling with that. I'm just using it as an example. (laughs) And... uh, like the little kids are like, it's my birthday, it's my birthday. And you get, you know, older and you're kind of like, it's my birthday. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 
You look at your face in the mirror, and you're like, oh, is there more wrinkles, or what is there? Um, So when we take account of what people are doing to us, the evil people are doing to us, we're not walking in love. So we're not, we're not on God's territory. And when we do that, then we get out of where the Lord can move and where the Lord can speak. And so if you, as long as you walk in God and stay full of the Spirit and let love dominate you, you will not take account of the evil done to you. You won't, it won't, it won't have an effect on you. You won't allow it to have place in you. But when you allow it to have place, then you're actually uh, preventing the will of God to be done in that situation or in that relationship. And so we want to walk in love uh, in every, every part of our life. Love does not take account of the evil which it suffers. It does not rejoice at the iniquity, but rejoices with the truth. Endures all things, believes all things, hopes all things, bears up under all things, not losing heart or courage. Love never fails. You'll find some of the, the uh, experiences in life that have the greatest and most lasting impact on you are where you or someone else has acted in love. Find someone that's acting in love and you'll find someone that does not allow their flesh to dominate them. Because your flesh doesn't want to act in love. Your flesh is very selfish and self-centered. Your flesh is kind of like, what can I get out of it? Or, you know, your flesh would act in love to say like, well, I'm going to do this because it's going to make me look good. That's not walking in love. That, that's, that's, that's walking in self-centeredness and trying to uh, 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 prop yourself up to other people or trying to prop yourself up to yourself. I think sometimes we make a mistake because we say like, well, I know I shouldn't have that attitude. And so um, we just say, okay, just don't have that attitude. Tim, just don't have that attitude. And then what happens? What happened? All of a sudden I find out, ooh, I, that, that came up again. Why am I doing that? And then, okay, I'm going I'm to do better, be more disciplined, I'm gonna, like read the word more, pray more. What happens? Well, because sometimes, well, maybe all the time, that's an indicator that Jesus is not Lord in that area of your life. Because where Jesus is Lord, there is complete freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. In other words, then you become like David where he said, uh, you have given me a large place and you have enlarged my steps under me that my feet did not slip. So that instead of feeling like you're in this narrow place and like if you step out of line at all, man, you're going to open yourself up to sickness and disease and all this other type of stuff and you're not going to please God. No, no, no. Uh, that's not where the spirit of the Lord is. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is great liberty and great freedom and you, you begin uh, to get happy and you begin to rejoice because you can't believe how good God set this up. Like how could you have set it up so good that no matter my mistakes, no matter how I fail, no matter my past, that you don't take account of that, that you don't, you don't even uh, consider that in your dealings with me. You haven't added this up and added this up and added this up and okay, well now I can just give you this much blessing. No, it's the second we get on God's territory, 
by allowing Jesus to be our Lord, all of a sudden, the Lordship of Christ and all of the victory and all of the anointing and all of the blessing and all of the access that Jesus had flows down from his head right through his body. But if you get your, a part of your body out of place, if I cut my finger off right now and set it over here on this little, whatever that is, and I'm over here, I cannot bless that finger. My life cannot flow into that finger. But if that thing, if I pick it up, which if this really happened, I'd probably pass out. But I don't really like the sight of blood. But, um, and attached it, somebody even surgically reattached it, what would happen? The life source of my life would begin to flow back into this thing. You know, people have had... Uh, uh, digits severed and they can reattach them many times and the life can float so they're dead it's just they're dead cold probably nasty and dirty bloody bloody you know what i mean anyhow don't think about it don't think about it okay so it gets reattached like if i fall out right now it's probably not in the spirit and probably just think about the blood um so it gets reattached and then that life begins to flow back in it so when we're trying to live the life of God, unattached to his body, unattached to the flow of his nature. And, and the greatest part of his nature is, is a love nature. And we get detached from that. And we wonder, why is all this stuff going wrong? Well, it's not because like you're a sinner and you've, you're, you're a mess up and all of this. It's because we find life when we lose our life. So when we lose our unique identity on our own, out here separate, but when we find out who we are in Christ or when we're connected to Christ, who Christ is, we're connected to that life flow that comes from him. And then there is an infusion that comes from him. Do you understand? Like Jesus even said, uh, John 14, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you want, and that's what's going to happen to you. Whatever you want. Most people don't believe that. They just hope it. Like, is that possible? Could that be possible? It is a reality. And so we stay connected to Christ. And, uh, you know, really... We know if we're, if we're walking in love by how we feel people are treating us. If you're walking in love, you really wouldn't notice too much. Or you might notice, but it wouldn't have an effect on your heart. You'd say, well, you know, uh, well, you do what <laughs> the other verse says, believe the best in every situation. So you say, oh, they must have been busy. They must have had trouble. You know, there's a minister traveling on a train. He's on this train and this, 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 uh, guy got on the train and he had a couple of kids with him and the guy was just kind of like dazed and like just out of it and the kids are just jumping around and you know going crazy and all this stuff and and you know that minister was like just like you know I'm gonna tell that guy you need to take care of your kids you need to like get them in line get them sat down and do all this type of stuff and um but he kind of he, he almost did it but he didn't do it and then somehow he heard this guy talking and he found out that this, uh, I think it was two days before, this man's wife had just been killed. She died. And so he was just like in a 
in a daze, literally, and didn't even realize what was going on. Yet this minister was going to like basically chew him out for acting that way. So love believed the best. Like, man, they got pressures that you don't know about. You know, you have pressures other people don't know about. Other people have pressures you don't know about. And uh, none of us act perfectly, <laughs> you know, except Jesus. And so love thinks the best. Love believes the best. And uh, love gives you the benefit of the doubt. And lo love is always uh, saying, you can do it. You can make it. Uh, you haven't gone too far. You haven't messed up, you know, too much. Because if you have, then you know more than the Lord Jesus Christ because he made provision for every failure, every weakness, every mistake. He actually defeated every one of them. Stand with me if you would. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that your word is an ever-present help in our time of need. Father, I pray in each of our lives that your word would have freedom to move, freedom to speak, that your word would have free access to our lives, free course. Father, we ask today for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing you, in the deep and intimate knowledge of you. Father, that we, we become more and more acquainted with you, that we know you more and more every day, that we walk in your ways, and Father, that we let your love dominate us. Father, I pray right now that your love would abound in us more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Father, that we will uh, be discerning, and Father, that we'll follow your leading as we walk in love that will allow your love to dominate us, will allow your love to dominate our actions and our, our thoughts and our conversation. And Father, that we will give of your love. Father, that we will be known by our love, like you said, every believer should be. Father, we pray that would be us, that that would be true of us, that, that each of us, Father, that you would help us to live out of the inward man that will not be dominated by our flesh and the strong desires of our flesh, but that will be do dominated by your word and by the unction of your spirit. Father, we thank you. Hallelujah. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.